welcome to Let Me Know How It Is, a pop culture podcast about TV, movies, comics, and all things geek. We're celebrating the first family of Marvel, the Fantastic Four. I'm Zach Slater. I'm Frank Melman. This is Tommy Smith Reigns. And I'm Clifton. Okay, so um, just uh, uh, for transparency, we wanted to do this episode in November. Uh, the cover uh, for Fantastic Four number one, the month is actually November. Um, but you guys all know if you've been in the comics for any period of time that, uh, most definitely just because it was on the cover, it didn't come out that month. Uh, it came out much, much before that, but we wanted to do this. Uh, it just didn't work out because in any event, it's the 60th anniversary of the fantastic four, which is huge. So we wanted to celebrate them. We don't talk about them a whole lot on the show. Uh, and so this is our opportunity to do like a deep dive and really, really, uh, talk about how much we love these characters because we do, even though it doesn't come up so often. So, uh, I wanted to start off with, how did you guys first encounter the fantastic four? What was, you know, how old were you? Uh, what was the method, et cetera, et cetera. Tommy, I'm going to go to you really quick because I think you had, you had uh, mentioned in a previous episode though, that, that you were getting books from, uh, from a friend that happened to have a bunch of like old fantastic four issues in it. And that right. Am I oh, off? Yeah. No, no, yeah, def- no. It, it, uh, wow. Good choice. to remember that, man. Yeah. It was, I was part of this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. IBM partnered up with my school and I was supposed to get a mentor and he was excited to show me his FF comics, like original FF comics that he had gotten mm. um, original run when it came out. And at the time, I didn't know what the hell he was showing me. I just thought it was goofy because I was into X-Men more than anything else. But it it it, it sort of opened my eyes to just uh, how fantastic <laughs> it seemed to look at <laughs> Galactus for the first time and um, the surfer. It was cool how, I mean, it, it's weird how even the ads blew me away. Uh, just mm. how, it, how it captured the moment of time when it came out. But it was... I don't know, it had a more of a sciencey feel to it. That's 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 when I got um that was my first look of what Kirby had to offer. You're about how old here? 12, 13. Okay. Yeah, junior high or middle school, I think eighth, I think it was eighth grade. Won't say the year though, but yeah, I was I was that I was that, <laughs> I was that yeah. Yeah. But no, but it it made me want to look to see what was doing now and it pushed me to go see the burn run which I felt was great as what he did and what his run was. Okay. We'll get into that. I'm sure. Frank, what was yours? First encounter with the FF. Uh, For me, I would probably say when I, I think I've told the story before about watching the, 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 the Spanish reruns um, when I lived <laughs> in South Texas where I was just kind of like, oh, superhero stuff, I want to watch this, but it was in, it was in Spanish, and I, I followed it as best as I could. But it's the old Hanna-Barbera Fantastic Four. But I know, like, I didn't start reading the book until um, there was a point where my mom had gotten me some, like, school supply stuff. And um, Mead, I believe Mead, who made the, uh, the Trapper Keeper, those people. Oh, right. They had these... Um, <laughs> these folders that like for, for subjects, you know, for like math, science, you know, English, whatever that I remember seeing the fantastic four there. And then that was the point where I'm like, I recognized them there. I was like, Oh, that's cool. I like the fantastic four. And I, you know, I, I could have been more than like seven or eight around the same time, 
But I remember getting a three pack of like the Whitman um, comics, right? Where you get a, like a, a, just a selection of comics. And, and I think I've told this story on the podcast before about it's the Fantastic Four and the Reed and Johnny and Ben are trapped in the Phantom Zone. Not the Phantom Zone, the, in the Negative Zone. Sorry, getting my, mm-hmm. my zones mixed up. But um, <laughs> it ends with a cliffhanger that I didn't get resolved for like decades after the fact. Because again, this is long before comic shops and the internet. Um, where they're, the, this this character is pretending to be Reed Richards, and he tosses Sue Storm out of like the tallest building, tallest window of the Baxter Building, and it was compelling to me. And from that point on, I, I like I read Fantastic Four, but I did because it was in a, it was in a three pack of comics. It was from months earlier, so it wasn't like you could just go get the next issue on the stands, right? But obviously, you know, four months later, five months later, whenever I picked up another Fantastic Four, they they were you know hail and hearty, and everything was fine, but. That, that still that cliffhanger was resolved for for a long time, but yeah, that's where I remember seeing the cartoon and then the 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 folder thing and then uh, that that issue in the three pack. So, okay, you still have them? Do I still have the the? Tr- no, I don't have the folder anymore. I mean, it's one of the things where my mom would mm-hmm. like you know like superheroes and comics stuff. So, so th- throughout my life, or my birthdays, or, or Christmas, or um, you know Valentine's Day, just to be you know to be awesome as my mom is. Um, mm-hmm she would get me superhero related stuff. And sometimes it was stuff that like, Oh, I'm like, Oh, I'm into this. And sometimes I'm not, or, and then sometimes it would just be like, a, you know, open a door to something else that I'm like, Oh, I'll check this out. Right. And fantastic four was kind of that thing of like, well, I know these characters, but I don't know them and haven't really read them all that much. Right. So, and then working in a comic, that's another point is the other part of that is working in a comic shop. You get a chance to read, you know, the Kirby stuff and the older stuff too. So, but that was my, that, 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 that Spanish language <laughs> translation of Hanna Barbera cartoons—that that's where I remember earliest, probably. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Clifton, how about you? I wonder what thing ring do your thing is in Spanish. <laughs> sure. That <laughs> Translate that. Yes. <laughs> uh, for mine, it was kind of late. I actually don't remember where I first saw them or where I first encountered them. I remember when I first started picking up the comic books, but then. That was strangely, when I first started getting Fantastic Four comic books, it was a lineup that wasn't the classic four, because this was in the late 80s, mm. I guess, was the first time I would buy them off of, you know, a 7-Eleven, hey kids, comics rack. <laughs> and team, the lineup, if I'm remembering right, was Johnny Thing, but he was spiky. He was like oh, the spiky yeah. thing. It's a good, it's a, it's a run. Yeah, <laughs> Crystal and then She Thing were the yes. were the Fantastic Four lineup. But I do yes. know that I knew, like even then, I knew like that wasn't the Classic Four. So I had had some encounter enough to know like who the Fantastic Four originally was, like Sue and and Reed. They were just not there at that point in the comics. But I did know who they were. So I'm not sure what my first encounter was. It might have been catching old uh, reruns of the the thing ring do your thing or the old even old fantastic four if they're the the one with whichever had herbie whichever the one was with herbie yeah yeah i might have i might have somehow come across that enough to know Mm. who they were i just don't recall for sure but yeah like my first comic interaction with them was not the classic fantastic four it was it was that lineup which again like i mean they did that for a little bit they would change out fantastic four she hulks in it for a time like Mm -hmm. yeah they would they would alternate some of the lineup for a little bit there through the eighties and nineties. Okay. I, um, while you were talking, I went into Google translate and typed in thing ring, do your thing. And <laughs> okay. what, I, what it came out was a Neil de cosas. Has lo tuyo. There you go. 
It's, it still sounds good. It still sounds good. Yeah. Um, mine is going to be kind of embarrassingly late. Uh, I, I, my story is kind of like almost on the trajectory with your guys, but I missed it always. Mm-hmm. Um, when we got cable uh, and Cartoon Network first started, I remember that they would run like the old Hanna-Barbera stuff at night. And I was super excited. Like it was, you know, it was like that in Looney Tunes was I was the most excited to catch. And but it, it, it aired so late and it wasn't like at a at a regular time. Like it just sort of like it was it was sort of like in, in a in a montage of a whole bunch of other shows. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I had to like just kind of be lucky. And I always missed it. Right. And I was always like, you know, getting ready for bed or whatever. Right? I fallen asleep or something like that. So I never actually got a chance to watch that original stuff. And then, you know, come time when the 90s cartoon is out there, which, you know, all you listeners know that usually the, my first encounter for a hero is, is like is an animated thing. And that's sort of my gateway into things. I always wanted to get into the 90s show, but it was it was on at like six in the morning. And I was just <laughs> like, like at that point, like I was just at that age where it was like that was too early. And I kind of mm-hmm. still wanted like I wanted to get up for cartoons, but I wasn't waking up that early. Right. You know, and so my whole life was sort of like this weird thing of like trying to get into FF and just in like and just missing it somehow, like like the original, like uh, um, the unreleased, like Roger Corman movie. Mm -hmm. I remember like wanting to see that. And we went to like Blockbuster to get it. And like weirdly, the the one time we went to get it, they didn't have it. Right. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, like somebody, somebody rented it. Not like they didn't they, like, no, no, we don't have that. Like, like, no, like somebody had rented it before. <laughs> so it was, it was just sort of like this weird thing. So, you know, really for me, I want to say the first comic I ever read, uh, I'm embarrassed is ultimate fantastic four Ooh, when okay. that stuff was right. When, when ultimate was like super, super hot. Um, and I still at that point, like didn't know enough about him to know how weird it was. Right. Extremely, you know, like how off that version was, how off it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, and now since I've read still really still haven't seen a lot of the cartoon stuff, but, um, you know, I did a deep dive on, on the Kirby stuff. I bought like all those masterworks and everything. So I've read like the first two trades of them. Um, gearing up for this um i jumped ahead in the line and i read sort of the galactus stuff and the wedding annual which i had been kind of saving up i wanted to sort of get to all the issues chronologically and just got there when i got there but it was just like i figured it was going to come up in conversation and and to avoid some spoiler i just like let me just read it it's been forever (laughs) it's been enough time i'm just gonna read that stuff now so it's been that it's been like like you know mostly lee kirby stuff a little bit of John Byrne stuff. I've read about four issues of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And, you know, and, and one, two, three, four, which, you know, which we love. Right. right. Grant Morrison and you know, Jay Lee. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Jose Villarubio on colors. So it's been a little <laughs> sparse on my end, but, but like enough to now know that like, like I have an opinion of what they should be. Right. right. And I know when it's wrong now. Right? right. Like I know when the take is like, is uh, reads not like that or read should right. be like or like i don't enjoy read like this or i don't enjoy johnny in this way or, and stuff like that and so and so it's kind of a, it's kind of in a in a fun place where 
I have an opinion about it, but it can still surprise me very easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, going back to Ultimate Fantastic Four just quickly, like when I say off, I don't mean that as a, a negative, although I was not crazy about that book. But like I meant it is in that <laughs> all the Ultimate stuff was staying pretty close to the source mm-hmm. material. And that was mm-hmm. the first Ultimates book because you had Ultimates, which I mean, does play with Avengers, but they all introduced them in, in an updated way, but they're still similar. And then Ultimate Spider-Man went back and basically just retells us Amazing Fantasy 15 and early Amazing Spider-Man with a modern sensibility. And then that was the one that like drastically changed characters from what they had been Mm -hmm. in previous. So that's where, yeah, that was the one where like now they're now they're all teenagers instead of adults. Mm, And and that was a more drastic change than a lot of stuff was making in in the Ultimate iterations at the time. So what do you guys love about it? It's been it's been out for 60 years. Uh, it's still enduring still, I think. Um, um, what is it about the concept? What What's the thing you like most about the concept? I'll say or I'll ask. For me, it's the it's the first real family superhero team that I thought existed at the time as far mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. them being related to each other in one form or another or have a. Uh, history that suppressed their uh ability so to speak Mm -hmm. so it wasn't like they had people had to um you know it wasn't like you know you were there because of your powers they were already together and then they got powers which was far different from most superhero teams that we were used to for me it's you know I, i like the characters i like the interactions i like the relationships between them all um as you said, Zach, when you know, you know, you, you get an idea of when they sound right, you get an idea of when they sound wrong. Um, but no, I, I've always enjoyed the idea of, you know, this, this, you know, family. Um, if you go back and read some of the earlier stuff, the idea that, you know, by contrast to the, the what was coming out of DC, these are not characters that are, you know, come on, chum, let's do, you know, let's do the superhero thing. <laughs> these are, right. you know, these are characters that are sometimes begrudgingly, sometimes, um, you know, in spite of what they want to do, you know, but at the, at the end of the day, they come together and their family and they, they, they make it work. But yeah, the characters for me, I thought were always, you know, for the most part, I mean, you could argue that Sue's had the most evolution of all of them, but I think, you know, for the most part, those characters have pretty much been the same since they were created. Right. What about you, Clifton? I mean, yeah, it's definitely that. It's definitely the family aspects and when I did some research reading up on Jack Kirby biography for our Jack Kirby episode, we did a little bit back. I brought up the biography from Tom Scioli called Jack Kirby, the Epic life of the King of comics. Mm-hmm. And in that one, he does, he does cover in um, some of the, the creation of the Marvel of sixties Marvel and includes some of the creation of fantastic four and something that jumped out at me through that, that I always kind of felt it was there, but I didn't realize how intentional it was into the design of Fantastic Four was that at that point in comics, Jack Kirby had been in comics for almost, you know, it's for a good chunk of its existence having mm-hmm. come in in the 40s. Mm-hmm. And now we're talking this is early 60s. And and he had gone through a lot of changes in the industry with it as the industry changed where superheroes went out of style. and. And he was, and he and and Joe Simon were often a lot at the forefront of what, of what did come into style. They were some of the first forerunners of romance comics, because they had mm-hmm. seen romance gaining traction in magazines and and on TV. And 
And then they jumped to sci-fi when they saw that. And then at one point, Joe Simon was trying to convince Kirby the superheroes were coming back, that they were due for a comeback. <laughs> and they had some ideas coming with that. And it, and it never quite paid off until, until Marvel. And that in the biography, it, it shows that Jack Kirby saw Fantastic Four as like a culmination of everything he had been doing before. Like mm-hmm. all the stuff that he mm-hmm. loved in comics of, of, of the monsters, of the romance, of the, mm-hmm. the drama, uh, that he could do it all in one place. And, and that is one of the things I like most about Fantastic Four is that it's everything. It's all of that stuff and, and good examples of all of it, where all of it is, is pivotal to the story, the super science, the superheroes, the drama, mm-hmm. romance, melodrama, and, and, and giant monsters. Right. Monster they comics, did, yeah. They did disguise it. That was one of the things is that they, they did believe superheroes were coming back and it wasn't happening, so they kept trying to sneak them in is mm-hmm. something that comes up in this, in this biography. So they would, uh, when they came back to Marvel and, and, and teamed up with Stan Lee at that point, would just kind of, everything they were doing was like this, but also kind of this. And they would just do it under the ground, underground in case it took off and then and then they could run with it because you so see you had like the, the Fantastic Four showing up in plain clothes fighting a monster because they could pass it off as a monster book. Mm-hmm. Right. There was a business side that comes up in this in this biography that I did not realize. And it was that at the time, Marvel and DC had the same distributor, mm-hmm. if I read this correctly. And mm-hmm. there was some distributor force on them on Marvel to be like, no, like DC's got our superheroes covered. So that's not what we want from you. Like you just keep giving us the monsters and, and they got the superheroes covered. We don't need any more superheroes. And that, that's also oh, that's part interesting. of one of the reasons they were kind of sneaking them in because their distributor didn't want them from them. Mm, and then okay. they created I some never heard that hits. before. Yeah. I had not either until, until this particular biography. Uh, Cause there's tons of business stuff. Like it was, it was like a big business at the time and also like a small business where everybody knew everybody and, Everybody worked for everybody. It's an interesting. I would recommend this biography because it does go into a lot of detail of what comics were like through all of that time of its creation and inception to, and it's, you know, it's ebbs and tides that they didn't know yet at the time was a cyclical thing of, of crashes and booms, but it is what has happened ever since. Right. And, uh, and you even get examples of that, like, like, um, Henry Pym shows up in a shrinking man comic. Mm-hmm. And then later they're yeah. like, Oh, like with his shrinking potion. And then they realize, Oh yeah, we can do more with that. And, and now you've got Ant-Man all of a sudden. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like the, the amalgamation of all that stuff. That's what I love about it. Yeah. It is interesting as you were talking though. I mean, it does. It, I, I had not heard that story, but it does it, like, it's so apparent to me as you were speaking, I'm like, yeah, it really is like all of those things that Kirby worked on all throughout his career at that point, Mm -hmm. all in one book. And yeah, it's, that's super interesting. And I do see it now. Like it's just, it's one of the, like, it's just plainly obvious now. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you guys said all the stuff that I, that I was going to say, you know, it's the character dynamics. I like that. They're just, that they're so, um, What's the word I'm looking for? You know what I mean? They're just so defined, right? Like, like, you know, Thing and Susie have this kind of relationship and Thing and Johnny have this, but Reed and Susie's is the, is this and right. Like, I just like mm-hmm. that. It's all, and, and 
and and weirdly with such kind of a simple formula and iconic character for iconic characters developed the way that they are like the amount of drama and the amount of like right like the, like the notes that you can play on that instrument are like it's <laughs> it's infinite it feels like right you know i'm always a sucker too for like that that like you know cutting edge sci-fi science stuff that's like that's that's kind of like johnny quest in that way mm-hmm. you know what we had said is like what's sort of like on the horizon that we can't do at the moment but it's right. like but it's coming and it's coming in it right it's not one of those things in 50 years but it's coming maybe in the next 10 we'll play right. with that yeah yeah right? <laughs> you know and i mean he definitely had a mind for the science for the super science it's like strange as some of his stuff seems like he loved it like he'd mm-hmm. uh like it was just one of his inspirations was like popular mechanics and, and anything he could find that would show him how the science worked. He just took inspiration from everything. And just one other story in this, in this biography that they illustrated is that he was doing like a science comic. Cause this was like in the fifties before he was at Marvel in the space race, like people wanted science stuff because the space race is happening like in the fifties and early sixties and mm. after Sputnik. And so he started doing like, like more, he was trying to be more real because they, they, a lot of his ideas, they thought they're like, well, that's too fan, fantastical. We want something more grounded, something like NASA is actually mm. doing. And so he started doing comics like that. And one day the FBI showed up at his house mm-hmm. <laughs> to ask like, <laughs> so like, where did you find out about these technologies? <laughs> like, where are you, where are you learning about the stuff you're, you're what? illustrating? And he's like, I, I'm just making it up. <laughs> Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was in, in the in there's a Kirby documentary that you know that's got a fair, I've mentioned before that it's got a fair amount of people in it. Um, at one point, he his you know the, the I think it, I don't remember if it's if it's Lynn Lynn Ween or or Marv Wolfman or it might be his own son where he's like, you know, Kirby would be talking and smoking a cigar and listen to a ball game, and then all of a sudden would stop and think for a minute and then like grab a book of like a sci-fi collection off the shelf and start flipping through it for inspiration. And mm-hmm. then turn back around and start drawing stuff from it or not right. from it, but just for, from whatever it sparked. Like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. The idea that he could just, you know, he would just need that kick or that, 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 you know, right. that crank. something to get him going. Right. Yeah, and then he would just push. You know, right. And then he would, he would basically, yeah. basically crank out one of those amazing Kirby things. So, <laughs> but they said, yeah, that that was, he was doing that all, like all the time. So. <laughs> that's hilarious though yeah. I, again another story I'd never known that so, yeah. so the FBI shows up either either like we're developing this stuff how do you know about it or are right. you a spy right, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> god that's so nuts <laughs> Jack Kirby may have lived one of the most interesting lives ever mm-hmm. <laughs> like, telling you biopic Marvel do it <laughs> first non MCU movie come on all right, so so you guys want to continue with with the team, or you want to start stretching stretching our wings and go to bad guys and and uh, you know you you guys, I'm passing the the baton to you guys. Where do you want to go next? I mean, just one more thing on the team, and this is again, this is something that I hadn't thought of, I hadn't realized because I didn't know all the information, but like it is a very personal book to Kirby, possibly more than some of the uh, much of the other stuff he worked on because. You realize that that Ben Grimm is named after his father. Mm. His father's name was Benjamin, and mm-hmm. his daughter's name is Susan. So, like, I think it was a very personal book to him, at least in, in creating those characters. 
And yeah, I mean, you said that before, just how, like how, how real the fair characters felt. Like you knew what their thing was. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you know how, what their attitudes are, you know, what their interactions are with each other. Like, it's just, it's just so natural and there. And, and I, I don't know if that's just from his personal thing where he wanted to make them feel like such real people that, that that's where it came from. But yeah, I do think when you have characters that fleshed out, I mean, the stories are just going to be interesting, I think. And they're, the stories are just going to like make you want to read them and, and almost write themselves probably for him in that case. Yeah. And I think, I think when you stick to, I mean, I didn't want to go to the, go to the movies this fast, but I'll bring it up just for this moment and then we can come back through it. But it's, it's the, the Fox movies, the, the Chris Evans and Jessica Alba thing. Like it is the one thing that those movies, I mean, I, th- I think those movies are a little underrated to be perfectly honest, but it, I mean, it, the thing it really shines with, I think is that relationship dynamic with like everybody. It seems to get it all right. Yeah. Right. At least within the team. Right. You know, and, it, and, and it's one of the fondest things that they were, they were on TV today. Uh, interestingly enough, just coincidentally, like, <laughs> you know, and, and it's like, I find myself like, that's the, those are the moments I recall the most from the movie. And it's like, it, it and yeah, like you're saying, it's just, they're so fleshed out. They're so, uh, um, it, it, it's just like, it's, it's hard to get it wrong. Right. Cause it's like, it almost just kind of writes itself. Like you just write like Johnny and thing or this, mm-hmm. right. And, and not only is it easy, but it's kind of, but like, it's fun. It's kind of, it's always fun to kind of write them that way. Yeah. I feel like. So we, we hit a lot on Kirby. What did, what did Stan bring to this? I'm just curious if you guys had tripped over anything in your research dialogue. Well, well I know that. Well, dialogue, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of time, but there was, you know, I, I think I, it's in, in the Robert Kirkman Secret History of Comics. There's a point where, you know, Stan basically says there were, you know, towards the end, it was, well, I was, you know, I was doing other things, working other books, and I would give Jack a plot, and then he would come back and he would give me something I didn't even ask for or wasn't even my original script. You know, <laughs> there was something like this Silver Surfer character that I didn't even know where it came from, but there it was in the script. You know, there was, or there it was on the page. Right. You know, and we hadn't talked about it or hadn't discussed it. You know, you know, he had created, you know, that that whole thing. And I think, you know, I mean, there, there, you know, I I saw I read something the other day where someone was talking about, um, again, the, the debate about who created what, and that um, that I believe it was John Romita Senior said that you know sometimes they would take the train in together, and they would they would basically throw stuff out on their way in on the train. And they would never keep track of who wrote down what or who created what or who spoke, you know, said in this moment, you know, about right. what was said or what who, you know, to, to basically to to give credit to or whatever. But a right. lot of times I know I know like there's there's who stuff. Cares? Well, yeah, right? but it's also Cause, cause it's I've, also, been, I've been I've been in collaborative I've been in collaborative relationships, too. And it's like I feel like that that kind of like keeping score is is counterproductive. Sure. Right. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But in this instance, it was more along like, like, and I also know, like, with um, um, someone had most of the art or all of the art for, I don't know if it was issue one or it was one of the first like twelve or thirteen issues of Fantastic Four, and there was, you know, there was stuff that outside of the of the panel or outside of the page that was like notes in the margin, where stuff was changed either by you know by Jack or by Stan you know, the dialogue was changed or whatever. So I, I mean, I'm pretty, you know, it's, you know, I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think it's, it's hard to say that, that 
Stan was in the midst of all this stuff and all he did was take credit. Right. You right. know, I, I have a hard time believing that he just happened to be at the nucleus of all this stuff. There were all these guys who did amazing work and he just stood by and took credit while, you know, no one said anything about the fact that he was just taking credit. Right. So I, I think, I think a lot, I mean, I think a lot of it was dialogue. I mean, it's one of those things where if you've, you know, not to get on a whole Kirby tangent, but if you've read, you know, other stuff by Kirby, that's dialogue by Kirby, it doesn't read like Stan Lee stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, no, it doesn't. It, it, doesn't. Just doesn't. it doesn't for sure. I think, um, you know, these, these two, these two men have done hundreds of comics together. Um, and, and Clifton, you know, we, we had talked, you know, before over the, over the past, how there's something about fantastic four where I, where it's like that collaboration seems to have been like at its height mm-hmm. is those books, even though they would go on and do X-Men together and they would do adventures and they right. would do, you know, any number of other books. There seems to be something about, not that those books are bad or anything, but there's some there's just something about Fantastic Four where I just feel like they both it was like both of their A games mm-hmm. at the same time, right? Like right, to, right. at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I think again it's one of those things where like I remember, you know, there's always like a, I think again it was a stand anecdote about the fact like when they get to issue was it 50 or 49 48 48 49 and 50, which is the first Galactus story, mm. and they were trying to figure out what to do after they, you know, at their last storyline and it was like let's you know let's have the fantastic four go against god you know that right. whole thing of of like that's and then and then and then kirby's you know okay cool let's you know let's have him do that and then like i said you know comes up with <laughs> galactus with the giant g on him you know at that point <laughs> yeah. right <laughs> right mm-hmm. so you know it's one of those things where again i, I just it's you know again if like we said it, it could have been as simple as kirby just need that spark and Stan sometimes had it or vice versa or whatever. But no, I agree with you that, you know, it's, it's hard to point to anything else. You know, Avengers is good. There's, there's Avengers issues that are early on that are good, but they're not as good as Fantastic Four. And then the other thing is they didn't last as long on other books together as long as they lasted on right. Fantastic Four. Right. You know? Yeah. Very true. Very true. I just like, I, I, I never heard, there's a lot of, of like, Biograph like biography stories here I've never heard before, which is cool. I think this is all super super great. Um, I just I feel like I, if I had a time machine, I would love to go back to right to the sixties mm-hmm. and take the A train and just hopefully get to be in the same car with Lee and Kirby and just to eavesdrop on them, just to, sure. just to see what the process would be like. I just there's something so endearing about that story mm-hmm. <laughs> about about these two guys just. Right, yeah, like talk, talking about like Impossible Man, <laughs> right? Right, right. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. for sure. So, I mean, it it is interesting to I'm saying I gotta find more adjectives, um, <laughs> but the characters do seem to be defined very, very clearly by the original Lee Kirby run that went what 104 issues, right? Right. Yep. Um, and then again by another very, very, very long run by john byrne mm-hmm. right i mean these seem to be kind of the two anchor points that the that the characters have had right even though there have been high points with other writers and everything but like it it anytime the characters come up it always comes back to these two runs always mm-hmm. <laughs> right um so what is it about the john byrne run i want to get into a little bit of that because like i've only read about four issues i wanted to read it all um, 
you know, I just I, I, I stalled out because actually, I mean, interesting kind of sidebar here is that when you read a modern comic book today, modern, like I say, from like 1999 on, right, like I can read those in 10 minutes. It was it was kind of uh, um, shocking to me that when I would sit down and pick up a John Byrne Fantastic Four, like it took me forever to read it. And it just like, <laughs> it just hit me how much how much more ideas and how many more how much denser those issues were. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> they would pack right. so much more information in it than than you get now. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is it about the burn run? Like, what is it about it that that he just that he nailed? Like, what is it that that is is him that's uniquely him that's his thumbprint on it would you say i think the main thing is he just takes a lot of the ideas you know most people that come on the book are trying to do and this is and this i have to give credit to um our mutual friend devon that when he pointed out to me i was like because at one point we were talking about mark wade's run and nothing against mark wade's run it's got some good stuff in it but um he just pointed out the fact that a lot of times writers come on that book and their their whole idea is I'm going to do my Galactus story, or I'm going to do my Frightful 4 story, or I'm going to do my Mm. Mole Man story, right? Right. And it feels like everyone's not so much, it's not so much the Burn Claremont thing of like, they're going to do a love letter to Dark Phoenix and and (laughs) Telfire Club and all that stuff. Because Burn definitely, you know, plays with stuff that was there by Lee and Mm. by, you know, Stan and Jack for sure. Um, You know, there's, there's stuff, but a lot of times it was almost as if it's almost as if Byrne, you know, had such a love for those books and knew those books so well that he was able to pick and choose the stuff that he's like, oh, no one's done anything with this. You know, for example, mm-hmm. whatever happened to the scrolls, you know, spoiler alert for a, you know, a six-year-old comic, um, whatever happened to the scrolls that 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 first appeared in like issue, I think it's two or three mm. of Fantastic Four. Mm. It's pretty early. Right. But right. what are, you know, what happened to the cows that, that, that <laughs> you know, that read trick, you know, that basically made them, you know, the, the squirrels turn themselves into cows. What happened to those cows? Right. Surely there's a right. story there <laughs> and there is, yeah. you know, right. or, or like when you get something early along the lines of, you know, um, Doom being able to transfer, you know, had, a, had a, learned a trick from some aliens that early on in Fantastic Four he was able to transfer his consciousness someplace else. What is that? Mm -hmm. You know, what does that look like when you, you know, um, I just think he took a lot of the ideas that they had in those books and basically expounded on some of those ideas as well as brought in stuff like, you know, Terex the Tamer and um, what's something else he brought in? I mean, Terex is a big one where he basically, Mm -hmm. I don't don't know if Terex is his or not, but I know what he did with him was really great. Right. Just the ideas of, you know, like I said, the main thing for me from that book was just like, it was a good punch in the arm of like, okay, this is where we've been you know, taking inventory of stuff and then expounding on it. And oh, no, by the way, here's my own stuff too. So it's a balancing act playing yeah, with what's but, there, what existed, but adding to the pot also. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where a lot, again, a lot of times fantastic four, you know, people come on fantastic four and they're afraid to move the goalposts. And I think Byrne wasn't afraid to do mm-hmm. that at all. I think Byrne's like, okay. that's cool. Let me show you, let me show you what this book is capable of doing and did it, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I mean, like you have like the great thing of like, you know, of, uh, of, um, you know, he plays with, you know, he's one of the few people that plays around early on with Ben's appearance. And I don't mean like, again, what Clifton was talking about, the spiky, the dinosaur looking kind of <laughs> thing. Right. I, I read those books too. You know, that's, I think it's Tom DeFalco and Paul Ryan, maybe. Right. Or maybe it's Mark Runewald. I can't remember for sure. But Yeah, I don't know where that um, one started. Yeah. 
but it's one of those things where, you know, in that, that run before that, you know, you had people that had been, you know, either change or, you know, go back to me and Ben Grimm or not being Ben Grimm, but nobody wanted to, you know, no, Burns the first one to like revert him back to what he looks like in the early issues of the Fantastic Four before the like the iconic look that he had. Um, mm. You know, he does a lot of great stuff with Doom, brings in Kristoff, you know, that that whole thing. Okay. Of, like, you know, that's another, now that I'm remembering all this stuff, that's that, you know, he just does a lot of great, oh, um, before we get the whole thing with uh, Valeria being their daughter, um, spoiler, mm. um, he brings, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole poignant storyline about sue being pregnant mm. you know that involves you know there's a great dr octopus issue out of nowhere like you're like i'd never considered dr octopus being in a fantastic four story he brings that in that's really good too i mean there's just like a lot of great single issues as well as arcs um mm. oh the trial of reed richards that's another great boy moment in burn stuff is the idea that because the fact that reed um you know dealt with galactus the way he did you know way back when the rest of the galaxy is angry with him for it and wants mm-hmm. to put him on trial so you know there's all that stuff too yeah burn just like i said just builds on 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 what's come before and i think it's one of those things where if you're going to write that book you have to have that kind of idea of like where are we going next because again you know from it's from the jump a lot of it was you know them stealing a rocket you know defying the government <laughs> and basically doing what they you know what reed thought they needed to do and that whole exploration thing and then the space race all that plays into Fantastic Four, and I think it's one of those things where Burns like, yes, they're explorers first and superheroes too. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I, I'm sorry. I think I you said. I think you, no, no. But you said it all perfectly. I, I think. I think that you know, um, just to put in a couple of words, like he was a fan. Oh, for it sure. Sounded like yeah, right? yeah. Like, that was, um, you know, and yeah. sometimes that stuff comes through. You know, some sometimes sometimes you right. Sometimes the the perfect creator to jump on something is somebody who doesn't know much about it, and so they're not afraid to mess with stuff. And sometimes what you need is somebody who just loves the stuff more than anybody else. Yeah, in a way, <laughs> you know. I mean, the other run I would liken it to is when is when Kurt Busiek finally got a chance to write Avengers. Mm-hmm. And again, it was one of those things where you could tell clearly Kurt, you know, loved those books and clearly loved those characters and at the same time was willing to do new stuff with like Avengers Forever and other stuff like that. Um, but yeah, Byrne was, clear, you know, you can tell Byrne knew those, like, no, 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 you know, no doubt that Byrne knew those characters and knew those books. So that's why he was able to draw and build on so much of the stuff that had come before. Mm. All right, let's get into some bad guys. Sure. Right. Because, you know, we're, we're 30 minutes in and we have not talked a lot about Dr. Doom. And I think that, uh, <laughs> you know, we need we need to bring him up um, yeah, because he's such an iconic bad guy, you know, in comics and, you know, in the Marvel Universe, especially. So. I'm turning over to you guys because my my thing, again, uh, you know, a lot, lot, lot of confessing, a lot of embarrassing things about me in this episode. Um, it, there's kind of a Boba Fett thing with me and Doom, um, where, where kind of not exactly. Um, I know Doom is this amazing bad guy and has done and has like these great stories and everything like that. I know they exist. Right. Right. Like that's the difference. I just happen to have not ever actually gotten my hands on any of them yet. Right. Ah. I've read a lot of Dr. Doom stuff. Right. But it's just like, I, I, I feel like I'm missing all of his big moments still, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So, so educate me on, on doom, sell him because, you know, 
I want to feel what everybody else is feeling, where he's like number one on everybody's list of greatest, you know, supervillain, you know, and I'm like, I just so desperately want to be in on this secret, I feel like. <laughs> oh, for lack of a better term, Doom wins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. no other villain, in my opinion, has a better record than Doom. And when he wins, he ultimately um, is a world apart from everyone else. Like, the level at which they make that villain go to, 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 to win is insane on every level. And it's like, if he's the lone person in the room, he'll get it done, regardless of who doesn't mm. help him or uh, how far it needs to take his um, goals. To me, the best example mm. of that is what? Secret Wars? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, in mm-hmm. which um, you show him, st- like, basically, he steals the power from God mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. does it by himself almost. Is, is that a fair assessment? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, granted, he had a, he had a trial run with the power cosmic, to be fair. You know, when he steals the power from, from the Silver Surfer, he does it for their. He does it there first and then figures I can do this to the, the beyonder that works out with her, you know, same thing there. I mean, oh, I mean, my thing is I've always mean, you know, I, I've, I, I've said this for years that the doom is the world's worst college roommate and that's where it all starts. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's bad enough that he's an, he's an arrogant prick to begin with, but he's also dabbling in dark magic because he wants to free his mother from, you know, the clutches of hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh and oh by the way you know he is really smart he is really but he's also really arrogant you know it ultimately yeah. you know provides i mean I, one thing i love about doom is the fact that he has one of the best villain origins ever mm. like i think his villain or his villain origin is, is you know and I, and I say this now and, and and you know i don't you know i don't i never know where this goes or who's listening but i always w- insist that that whatever noah hawley's plan was for the doom movie he was going to make or wanted to write or whatever um I think it's very important that you have, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe when they finally get to Doom, is they let him have his origin movie and then fold him into the the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think that's right. very important. Rather than as hey, a throwaway villain in Fantastic Four and he's kind of a jerk and we don't like his name and all that, blah, 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 blah. you know, right. we've tried that that didn't work. But I think Doom has one of the best origins possible. I think his determination and his his will is one of the things that sets him apart. Um, I mean, he's around since he's, he's been the, you know, in the book since, since issue five, um, early on when, you know, when, uh, when Namor, the Submariner is brought back into the book, they team up for yep. a while. Um, I mentioned this before that they headline a book called Supervillain team up, <laughs> where it's the two of them <laughs> kind of having a frenemy kind of a, you know, we're going to work together. We're not going to work together. We're going to fight, you know, every three issues basically, right. You know, the two of them not getting along. Um, and not, again, when I mentioned Mark Wade's run, Mark Wade does a lot with Doom um, mm-hmm. and Latveria, as well as you know. And I don't want to spoil that for anybody because the idea that what what Wade does with him is awesome. It's great Doom stuff. Um, another one that I would mention that that I thought Tommy was going to talk about was um, what's the Doctor Strange Doctor Doom hardcover? Oh, Triumph and Torment, baby! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a yes. great story of Doctor Doom. Yes, it's a wonderful Doctor Doom. It's, it's Mike Mignola. Oh, yes. such a good book. Oh, such a great <laughs> so book. Good. And it came uh, as a hardcover when it debuted. Yeah, it was oh. a standalone. Mm. It was all standalone. Um, again, it's one of those things where I can honestly see that being a movie. Oh, uh, incredibly! Is our introduction to Doom insanely? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you know, my thing is, I guess, you know, I, I, again, I, I just think that that character 
just by by sheer will of the character alone, he deserves all the due that he should get, and he hasn't gotten yet outside of the comics. Right. Yeah. And again, the the fact that he had you know that it's it's also seated in jealousy and hatred of Reed Richards. You know, he would never Doom would never argue that it's jealousy, but um, but again, it's one of those things where he's just been around forever. He's a thorn in the side. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just I I think Doom's one of the best again, super one of the best supervillains ever. And the whole thing of the armor's cool too. All that stuff is great. So yeah, he's he's a great visual and and mm-hmm. everything. I mean, the thing that makes him scary to me. I think is is the fact that it, it, like the one track mindedness of of him we're like there's no getting him off of something once he's made up his mind he's going to do it right oh, and yeah, he's going to make sure. good on it right yep, like sure. he's he may be the most driven person on the planet mm-hmm. um and and just also happens to be remarkably petty <laughs> sure <laughs> right like right like <laughs> yep oh yeah doom is great so okay, so so Doom is the big one, but you, mm-hmm. you touched upon Namor. Namor, yeah. you know, tangential, uh, important character to FF, mm-hmm. right? You know, oh, yeah. it wasn't created there; existed existed in the Golden Age of Comics before that. But you know, one of the one of the things that, that Lee and Kirby dusted off and brought back, and fits and fits beautifully here. Yeah, I'd argue that that they that that Namor is the Winter Soldier, but long before the Winter Soldier was the Winter Soldier. <laughs> like just the idea of like, oh, this is a cool idea. What can right. we do modernizing this character? And Namor right. is that first one that they do it with because, yeah. you know, the, 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 just the, and, you know, and, and I don't know, I don't know how much they've played around with the idea. I think it might be a little bit in one, two, three, four, but it's not, if I'm remembering wrong, mm-hmm. but I, they've never really been like, you know, Johnny's just a dumb kid <laughs> when he finds mm-hmm. Namor, you know, right. and it's not, there's not a lot of like, oh, I've just unleashed this monster on humanity again, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, yeah, I, 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 Namor, you know, I, ugh, Namor when he's written real is so awesome. I love Namor too. Like Namor's like the other one. And the <laughs> other thing about Namor is the fact that he's like, he's not only is he a, like, he's the villain, you know, and he's, you know, an anti-hero and all that stuff. Just the idea that he's there to seal Sue. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. is the other, is the other edge of that thing of like, ah, oh, got to deal with that too. But you kind of yeah. get it too. Cause yeah. Reed, Reed can be a jerk. Sometimes, sure. or at least yeah. can come off that way. Absolutely, right. um, of course. You know, mm-hmm. I love that aspect of it because also because I mean, like, like the guy that's coming in soaking wet with abs in in, sure. in a speedo. <laughs> well, no, I mean, there's that, the that makes it look good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. No, I, I, I'm not saying I don't understand that the 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 appeal of what of Namor. You're like mm. Namor is just like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm you know I'm I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. I'm royalty. I can do whatever right. I want. You know. Right. So no, I, I think Namor's a you know, again, it's one of those characters that like I, I can't you know, as much as I hear the rumors of where he might pop up in the MCU, I I, I think he's very much another character like, no, you, you need to give him his thing too. Right. Um mm-hmm. you know, to do it right, you know. Might have the most uh heel face turns and back in comics history. Yeah. <laughs> Namor. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if many okay. who have gone from hero to villain or from villain <laughs> to hero to villain to hero to villain. As many right. times as he did, well, uh, oh no! Uh, I think he's Marvel kind of sucky. Like he's kind of been uh, firmly anti-hero for a while, but mm. no, nah, that's the thing with Marvel. Marvel does that a lot. Uh, as soon as he said heel turn and turn, all I could think of was Magneto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Magneto's definitely up there yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, but for no, sure. but but no, but I agree with you with uh, uh, Namor. Depending on what story you want to put him in, jeez, yeah. 
he can be in a in a hero group and still be the villain, which is weird. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. that's, you know, Tom and I have talked about the idea of, you know, where all this current MCU stuff is going and the idea that if it's leading mm-hmm. to, you know, you know, as was teased, you know, I'm spoilers for Loki, but if you've seen the way that ends and what's mentioned there um, by Miss Minutes and where it could all be going, um, adapting the story that I think they're going to adapt, Namor plays a huge part in it, mm-hmm. you know, you know, of just what he's willing. To, again, he's another one that's like he's willing to go that, you know to whatever link to get his goal accomplished he'll do things that other characters won't do right you know and be you know and damn you if you you know if you think anything less of him for it so Mm. you know it'll be interesting to see what what they do with that character well well, going back to what you said earlier frank um Mm -hmm. as far as villains concerned um you mentioned earlier that sue was one of the few characters that actually evolved over time i'd argue to say that they pushed that to reed as well because he he had more secrets the more you pan him out and mm-hmm. uh and with zach was saying earlier what's your introduction with the ultimate fantastic four you started seeing reed become more like that and the whole introduction of the council of reeds yeah in which mm-hmm. you get basically to me the council reads is basically if reed took more of a stance like uh uh victor victor uh von doom whatever Mm-hmm. In which he he didn't uh, uh, have those moral conflictions that our Reed has, and what became and how he conquered his universes in that regard. I didn't quite feel I didn't quite like that, especially when he what was it that one council too he was on with Xavier. Oh, the Illuminati, oh, the, Ill- the Illuminati. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. didn't care. I, I would have thought that Reed wouldn't be part of that. You know, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's again. It, and when you mention that, because it's it's like Black Bolt and him and Namor. Well, I'm sorry, Namor is part of that. Namor and, and Professor X, um, Reed, Doctor Strange, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, but again, it's one of those things where you know it's one of those you know they're they're all willing to talk about stuff, and Namor's like, well, let's do it. <laughs> so you <laughs> right. know, there's a lot of that, there's a lot of that kind of stuff of like, well, you know, guys, we don't need to keep taking votes. Let's just do what we're gonna do, kind of a thing with Namor. So. <laughs> But yeah, the Illuminati made some dumb choices, for sure. <laughs> for, 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 for a group of really smart guys, they made some really dumb choices. Because Tony's right. part of that, too. Right. Yeah, Tony's part of that, too. All right. And then when Xavier's gone missing or dead or whatever, Beast, I think it's part of that group, too. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, which is still insane, but sure. Yep. So. <laughs> okay, I do want to get into the movies a little bit since since um, we have a little bit of time left and everything. Because, like I said, my, my thesis for, for some of those is, is those Fox ones. Uh, at least the ones with Chris Evans, I, I I don't think are maybe as bad as people think they are or remember them to be. Um, I was not impressed with Doom in those movies, but, no. um, you know, like I said, I mean, there's 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 a scene with Thing and Johnny in the bar in the second one where it's like, you know, they're basically like the world's going to end and they're kind of like there's really like no, nobody I'd rather be here with than you. And it's like for these two guys that you've seen argue a million times in just these two movies, it's a nice moment and it's a genuine like it's it's earned. I think like it's believable. There's nothing false about it to me, mm-hmm. I think. Right. That it's like they're just they're they're, you know, even though they're they're not blood. Right. They're, you know, they're brothers that, you know, they they they, they beat up on each other. Right? right. They make fun of each other. Right. Like <laughs> for sure. 
Yeah, I don't think there's, I mean, other than, you know, I know a lot of people's problem was, you know, the, the second one with Galactus being a cloud. Um, Which also sure. came from, so, well, that wasn't the ultimate, com- the Ultimates did a different Galactus <laughs> too, mm-hmm. that that was closer to. But yeah, a lot of people didn't care for that. I thought, you know, right. I mean, they're not, they're, those movies aren't awful. We've had worse superhero movies. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> you know. And there, and like you said, I, I think the Johnny and Ben stuff is great. I think there's a lot of really great moments in it. I still, I think we talked about it when we did our, um, uh, what is it, uh, great moments in mediocre superhero movies. We talked mm-hmm. about the fact that when Ben, you know, is basically you know rejected by his fiance and has to pick up that ring and can't. Yeah, you right, know, yeah, you know, that's a, it's that's a great a, you know, moment. It's a right. great moment, and it's kind. You know. But you know what though, in making that episode, it kind of colored a little bit my way of th- of thinking how the rest of the public sees the fantastic four because it was like just building the notes for that episode. Mm-hmm. It was so easy finding the moment from Spider-Man three that, that we liked or, or, you know, or any other of those movies. It was so hard finding <laughs> right. clips from that movie that right. wasn't like this broad, like 10 minute swath of the film. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and that's just one of those things. I'm just like, I don't know how fondly remembered these things are outside of like Chris Evans is great as human torch, which he <laughs> is. But like, mm-hmm. I remember, I remember being in the theater when I saw the, the teaser for rise of silver surfer. Right. And you know, outside of, of, you know, the teaser for Superman returns, which you guys all know, I love that teaser. I think it's the best Superman movie ever made is that one minute thing. <laughs> Just the teaser. I mean, rise of the silver surfer teaser is like one of the most enjoyable teasers i've ever seen to a movie right like i mean like in in that minute it's you know character development because we see that they're hinting at the wedding right right Right. silver surfer is awe inspiring in that moment of like what he can do like Mm -hmm. wow he can do that he can do this he can do how do you fight that right Right. and what does his coming mean at least and then also like it ends on a cliffhanger of like johnny catches up to him you're right. And they're out like high enough in space that you could see the curvature of the planet. And Johnny burns that like the the flame goes out because there's yeah. no air. And right. then he just drops him. And it's like, <laughs> oh, how does it huh? I don't know how he's getting out of that one? What's right. Good, right? Yeah. <laughs> now after the first one, I remember I saw the first one in the theater and and a friend asked uh, afterwards like what I thought, like if it was, I guess they had heard some negative stuff about it already. They had not seen it. And we're asking what I thought. And I said, well, like if this movie came out 10 years ago, like I think everyone would have said, Oh, this is a pretty good superhero movie. Right. But (laughs) by the time it came out, we had already seen some more sophisticated and better presented, like, like X-Men two or Spider-Man and Spider-Man two. And, and I think it, it was just a little bit, slightly out of date overall in its presentation but mm. i think if it had right. come out earlier like people would have liked it more <laughs> right no i could see that it's exciting to me that that you know it's getting dusted off yep for sure all right so to start wrapping up i thought that it would be fun to kind of do this because like i said i have you know i think that there there is sort of a an opinion out there of like, I don't get these characters and I don't get why they're cool. So I have a couple of, of uh, unpopular opinions about the fantastic four. <laughs> I want to throw them out there for you. And I want you guys to shoot them down. <laughs> right. Okay. Or, or tell us where they're right. Or tell us where they're not right. Just, just, you know, like what's your stance on them? Um, some of them are movie related. 
Um, so the first one I'll say is Fantastic Four has been tried three different times in film. It just doesn't translate well. The idea right. doesn't work on in movies. What do you guys say to that? I disagree. Okay. Elaborate. Um, <laughs> well, to me, the superhero genre is evolving to garner a more um, honest approach to storytelling as opposed to adapting a comic. Because to me, a comic is a different medium and you can't, it doesn't necessarily translate 100%. That's why certain books are given sp- screenplays or whatever the case may be, because books with no pictures are hard to translate to a movie in some cases. With that being mm. said, um, it doesn't have as many as Spider-Man. <laughs> mm-hmm. But here we are, and I'll be mad if we don't get another X-Men movie. Right. So I say yeah. give it grace. Um, those okay. weren't hitting the marks because they were first, but first doesn't mean terrible, you know? Right. Yeah. Frank Clifton, anything to add? Yeah, I remember encountering that sentiment after last year's Disney Investor Day, because that's when Marvel, we all suspected it would happen. We knew the rights mm-hmm. were, reverting, were reverting back to Marvel with the 20th Century Fox buyout. But the last year's Investor Day was the first time that they Marvel really committed to announcing like, yep, Fantastic Four is coming. Here's the director. It's, it's John Watts from the Spider-Man films. And I was I was psyched. I think we were all psyched here. Like we were all very excited mm-hmm. to hear that news here. And and then I went online just a little bit and saw like one of the first reactions was that what you say where they're like, oh, like, like they've tried it before and it stunk. So like, why do it again? And that's when I mm-hmm. realized that that like we were differentiating between like Marvel and 20th Century Fox. Uh, but not a lot of people are. Not everybody does make that distinction. They just see it all as well. Marvel superheroes are all the same. All these movies are made by the same people, and that's not the case. Right. So I was like, oh yeah, like these people have a, the people who have it in their hands now have a much better track record than the people who had it before. So like I'm excited for that, and and that's what I would tell people. I'd be like, look at the track record of the people actually producing this one, and right. and compare it to that. I mean, for me, it's the idea that you've had these other outings, you've seen what doesn't work. Um, I think a lot of times you, you, you know, you look to Doom or the Silver Surfer to give you the thing that makes the Fantastic Four interesting. And I think they're perfectly fine by themselves. I think if you gave them a different villain <laughs> that, that uh-huh. you know, that, you know, that you don't need to tie Doom into what they're doing, you know, mm-hmm. just have the idea of like, right. oh, you know, you know, again, reads horrible college roommate you know the one that the one that the one <laughs> yeah. that also knows ben that doesn't like you know that ben doesn't really care for him either you know right. that's right that's that's all you need i don't think you need to have you know something i don't think you need to spice up something that already works yeah i i think for me too that there there's a there's kind of a superman quality here going on i think in my opinion i think from what i see and in that that i say there is there, there is an optimism to the character that I think is baked in, mm-hmm. right? It's an optimist, optimism to the FF that's baked in that I think those movies came out at a time when people were still sort of like not looking for that, right? They right. still wanted some degree of edgy or flawed or whatever, right? And I think, I think the cool thing is, is that they're coming now after 10 years of the MCU where we have celebrated heroism and optimism 
and it doesn't feel old fashioned anymore, right? Because we like Cap the way he is, right? As corny as he is, and he's an inspiration, right? Mm. And I think I think that, that it may be a little easier to swallow now for people, right? Um, is my is is you know my hope anyway? Um, but yeah, I think I think they have a director that that you know will nail it this time around. So, but continuing with the screen thing, um. Their powers are all unspectacular compared to what we've already seen on the screen. <laughs> Any rebuttal to that? What do you guys think? Eh, I don't think what makes them fantastic is was ever their powers. Okay. Right. I'm with, I'm with Tommy there. Um, mm-hmm. To me, what made Reed fantastic was his mind. Um, and the more they showed that, I thought the more excited I was to see what he could accomplish. Mm-hmm. It was ever so often they reminded me that he was pliable to, you know? Right. Um, I thought Johnny's powers were an extension of his personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and because he could do that just made him more or less of a jerk, you know, depending on how his powers played or what he did. Um, Sue, I, I have to agree with, again, with Frank or how she evolved on how I could see someone, uh, I could see them wanting to cover her up or, you know, make her invisible, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But prominently, more and more, she became the strongest part of the uh, four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and thing is, you know, it's you could literally see he's gruff on the outside and sweet in the inside, so to speak. Yeah. And that's what an extension of his powers. I mean, his powers were extension of his personality. Again, another example. He'll do anything mm-hmm. for his family, lift the bus, whatever the case may be. Um, right. But yeah, but that's why I think people think they're their powers. I I see them right. as their powers are extension of themselves. Okay, that's at least that's my take. So you put it nicely, I think. Yeah, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> in yes. my opinion, I think right. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> you know, that is why we go see these movies as we go to as we go for spectacle. But you know, yeah, I feel like you get the characters right with who they are like that stuff will figure itself out they'll they'll think of cool action sequences can i say something though yeah um the best fantastic four movie is not called fantastic four (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. called what frank the incredibles the incredibles (laughs) and really i mean there is a bit of of that hot take does kind of stem from the incredibles a little bit i remember because that the those movies were separated by by you know a couple of months, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. You know, may, maybe a year, and people were sort of like, you know, well, man, I've seen Elastigirl do really cool stuff in Incredibles, like, yes. you know, like how are you going to top that? But all right, anything else to add, you guys? I think we we still haven't had a really good set piece with them showing off their powers. Mm-hmm. I don't. I can't recall. I think everything we've seen is kind of like you know, Reed stretches for a little bit. <laughs> the Invisible Woman, you know, does something for a little bit. <laughs> ben punches right. something, and Johnny, you know, you know, flies. I don't think there's been right. a, you know anything that's 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 basically showcased them as a team yet. Um, okay. And the other thing is, I still think that you know, it, depending on which version of Sue that we get, I don't think we're going to get the kind of shrinking '60s version. I think we'll get the more of the more assertive. Um, version as you know again Byrne gave us the invisible woman you know he, he basically grew right. her up Um, 
I, I think we'll have Sue, you know, flex her power a little bit more. Right. So I look forward to that too. Yeah. No, I, I don't think you're wrong. I think, I think that that all sounds great to me. So, okay. Last one. And, um, admittedly, I think I see, I see sort of the crux of, of, of what, what you're going for here, but I'm curious what you guys think. So fantastic four is a creation of its time uniquely set during the 1960s with world war two and the not too distant past. This is key to the characters and why it doesn't really work outside of the period it was created in. Where I say that I that I can kind of get it right is the fact that that Reed and Ben were World War Two vets. Right. In that in that conflict that uniquely saw so many people. Right. Like touched everybody when you when they went back into society mm. in the 50s and in the 60s when they right like everybody like that moment was part of everybody's life right mm-hmm. <laughs> right it was a personal moment in jack kirby and stan lee both of them served during world war ii so it was a personal po- moment in both of their lives right exactly so so that said like i fi- i do find that that it's it's hard to disagree with this but i still but i i, I still like i have to believe that that kind of optimism and that kind of like looking ahead into a brighter future and all that, like, you know, I, I have to believe that that is not out of style. Right. I just have to, I can't, I can't go to bed tonight thinking that that, <laughs> you know, that, 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 that was in the 1960s only. Right. And that was it. Right. Like, <laughs> no, I don't think it is. I, I think that, I mean, part of the thing that I, that I, I do find odd um, about the take on Reed by a lot of writers is the idea that Reed isn't bold, right. That all he does hmm. is think. And you go back and look at those, you know, go back, look, look at FF1 and Reed is like, no, we have to do this. It's important that we do this. Right. Mm-hmm. So much so that he, you know, he gets, you know, he gets, you know, his best friend, he taunt, basically, you know, tricked slash taunts him into it. And then, you know, dr- drags along this girl that's clearly infatuated and her kid brother and they go and they do this. And it's one of the things where Burn again, going back to Burns run, there's a deeper meaning and a de- there's a reason why they have to do it. That's that's mm. that's fleshed out more there. That again, I don't want to ruin for you if you haven't read it. Um, but I, I think it's one of those things where I think, along with the hope and optimism of it all, I think the you know, you know, we didn't we talked about the idea. Clifton mentioned the idea that it's a culmination of other stuff that Kirby had done. But I also think there's a lot of you know we, of all the things we mentioned that he had done before, we don't really mention the challenges of the unknown. Mm-hmm. I was going to mention that. Right. And I think that the Chals are a huge influence on the Fantastic Four. The idea of like, yeah, yeah we're going to fight big monsters. Yeah, we're going to fight sci-fi concepts. But the idea of we're going to challenge the unknown as the Fantastic Four. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, is is well within their bedrock and their bloodline, I would say. Right. And that whole thing of like, we, you know, we have to do this. You know, I think that you put that on screen. I don't see how people couldn't respond to it. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, no one else is going to do it. You know, yeah, the Avengers are going to go fight this thing or, or, you know, blah, 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 blah. But we can do this right now. And then, you know, on top of everything else, they gain these fantastic powers. I don't see how people couldn't respond to it. Right. Mm. I just think they should look at it like lost in space. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a villain of the week. That doesn't really work well with Fantastic Four. In my opinion, at least. Okay. I just think that they're, they're, they're not superheroes they don't have a secret identity 
Yeah. They're not they don't stop bank robbers, you know? No. It's mm. it's it's more along the lines of who they come across in their travels and trying to uncover things uh from a different perspective. They're they're what was it, planetary? They're just making sense mm-hmm. of a weird world or yep. a strange universe. Mm-hmm. Yep. With that, if you go in with the Fantastic Four with that mindset, I'm sure it'll be showing people something they haven't seen before. For sure. All good points. And, and, and yeah, and there's, and there's, you can always, that's always to be updated, right? Cause there's always weird and there's always mm-hmm. mystery and there's always like just around the horizon that we can't see. Yep. Yes. Right. And so, but it doesn't matter that it was 1961, <laughs> right? Yeah, it can be it 2021 doesn't. and it can still mm-hmm. work. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I got a hankering to read some more issues now. You guys, <laughs> you guys, you guys have got me all into it again. Man, I can't wait. I can't wait for that next movie also. Because also, I'm also just looking forward to, to, to smart in the MCU that's not Tony smart. Right. Right. right? Smart differently. Smart with, with, with a different uh, um, tone behind it, a different, a different uh, approach, a different philosophy behind it. And I think, I think it's going to be, be so, much, so much fun. Um, you know, and I know that it's going to be a shot in the arm for the characters that I'm sure that, you know, Marvel, the comic book company will also follow suit. And I'm sure that we will see the characters much, much, much bigger mm-hmm. as they tend to do when something big is coming out there. They, you know, there's a title that comes out or a series of titles that comes out with hotshot writers behind it. So, yeah, I think I think uh, there's some good FF on the horizon, which is exciting. So. As always, we'll post links and examples to everything we talk about on LetMeKnowHowItIs.com. Just please remember to like us, follow us on social media. Thanks for listening, and we will see you guys next time.